the Easy Money Show with Cam Fats. It's powered by EpicConversions.com and the Insiders Club. Welcome to another episode. Hey, what is up? What is up, everybody? This is Zero Fats, aka Cam Jennings, coming at you on behalf of EpicConversions.com. Welcome to the first ever Easy Money Show. This is my new show on my YouTube channel. I'm excited to get into it. You might wonder what the Easy Money Show is about. Uh, I'll tell you. But what I like to say is, this is the place where we are generally aware that people make money online, and we even talk about it sometimes, right? So let me rewind that and start again. Welcome to the Easy Money Show, where we are generally aware that people make money online, and we even talk about it sometimes. I'm not going to lie to you guys. This is the first ever episode for this show. I've had it in the back of my head for a while now. And I've wanted to, to do a show like this for some time, and I've just been kind of like mulling it around in my head. If you've ever been like that, you know where I'm talking about. Just having this idea that you've been wanting to do for a long time, you've been kind of mulling it around in your head, uh, but you just never pulled the trigger on it. Well, you know, I'm the kind of guy that like eventually I always do pull the trigger on it. Uh, I, I always do. You know, I fixate on things for a while, and then when the time is right, I come back to it and I make it happen. And you know, the time was right. The time was right for me to do this show, the Easy Money Show, and and I'm excited to do it. I'm excited to get into it, man. And this is going to be a big part of what I do online moving forward. Now, for those tuning in on Facebook, I uh, I want you guys to know I'm I'm, I'm actually recording this. Uh, I'm recording this live stream on YouTube, but I also have a Facebook live stream going as well, uh, just because it's the first episode. That's it. Um, I'm not going to do this on Facebook uh, every single week, um, but uh, hey, you know, I might. <laughs> I change my mind sometimes. I might just uh, I might just stream this live on Facebook every week as well. I don't know. Uh, what I do know is uh, this will be a YouTube-based show. Uh, it's also going to be a podcast. So this will be uh, this will probably be on iTunes as well. Uh, this is going to be a weekly show. It's gonna it's gonna be live every Tuesday on my YouTube channel. So, anyways, I want to welcome everybody to the first episode of. Um, the first ever episode of the Easy Money Show. I appreciate y'all being here. Those on Facebook, thanks for tuning in. Appreciate you guys for being here. Uh, I want to talk for a minute now uh, about why I'm changing my format a little bit. Because the Easy Money Show here isn't just like uh, some show that I'm putting on my YouTube channel. This is going to be my new format going forward for a little while. you know. And if it crashes and burns, then it crashes and burns, man. I want to do it for a couple months and, and we'll see how it goes. But I'm changing my format. Um, you know, I, I just, I'll tell you something. I, I'm just getting sick of launching products, <laughs> to be honest with you. And it's not that I'm getting sick of launching products. It's not that I'm getting sick of creating products. You see, I planned out all my products for, for the whole year. Um, I actually have products planned out for the whole year, uh, even into next year. Um, I just am getting sick of launching them publicly. <laughs> That's just to be frank and to be honest. Um, you know, I, I just, I just, I'm getting sick of doing it for a while. You know, I'm not saying I'll never do it again. I'm not saying I won't come back to it. 
Right, Jamie. <laughs> J Jamie just said I just did 15K. That's true. That's true. Um, however, um, man, you know, I, I have to follow the heart on this one. You know, you have to follow your heart. You have to do what you want to do. And I've always lived by that motto. And, uh, and you do what you want to do. You know, you do what you think is the right thing to do. Um, and the right thing for me to do is to kind of step back and focus on my membership site. That's what I want to do now. I want to focus on my membership site. I want to build that up. Uh, I want to put a lot of time and effort into building my membership site up. Uh, so I'll be launching inside the membership site for a while. Um, I'm still going to be putting out products every month. Uh, I just want to do it from inside my membership site. Um, you know, launching products is hard, you guys. Uh, launching every single month is even harder. Um, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. If you're just getting started in online marketing, if you're just getting into this game, if you're just starting to try to figure out how to make money online, hey man, I do recommend launching a few products. It's a good thing, right? It's going to jumpstart your online business. It's going to allow you to start to build a buyer's list and start to build some authority and start to build an audience. It's, it's a good way to get started. Um, eventually, I think you reach a point of uh, I don't want to get too technical here, um, and sometimes I use really big, crazy words, and uh, I, I go too in-depth and uh, freak everybody out, and I don't want to do that. Um, eventually, you reach this point of critical mass, especially if you're doing if you're running affiliate traffic, where a lot of the people that are on your list, a lot of the people that are on your list, are the same people that are on all the other marketers that are promoting you's list. <laughs> so you've reached this point of critical mass where, um, you know, people are either going to buy off of you or they're going to buy off of someone else because of some great bonus. So I, I hate the word circle jerk. I don't want to use that circle jerk word, but I mean, um, essentially you have the same group of people buying the same, buying your products every month. You know, like it's cool. It's cool. It's like you're a writer, like Stephen King or something, and you got like your Stephen King fans, right? And your Stephen King fans are buying Stephen King novels every time they get released, and it's cool, man. Um, but um, you know, I just, I just, I think there's a better way. I, I just believe there's a better way, and I kind of want to uh, strengthen my membership site up a little bit and, and just make that a little bit stronger. I can provide great value to my members, um, and launching publicly is is. Let's look at it for just a second, guys. If I launch a product every month for a year, okay, that's going to require twelve actions from every single one of my audience, right? Whoever buys that product, it's going to require twelve actions. Okay, I need them to buy twelve times. I need them to pick that product up 12 times, okay? Now, if I launch 12 products inside a membership site, okay? If I launch 12 products inside a membership site for a year, that's going to require two actions from my customer, okay? I'm going to convince them to buy, and then the second action is them leaving or canceling. And everybody leaves or cancels. Nobody stays in a membership site forever, but that second action, I don't even have to worry about them taking that action. I don't even have to try to get them to take that action. Required. So what do you think? What do you think becomes easier for you ultimately? 
you know, getting customers to take two actions or getting customers to take 12 actions? What becomes easier for you guys? What do you think? You guys, you guys can answer that question for yourself. I know I've answered it for myself. I know, I know what's easier for me. I've done it both ways. I've ran three membership sites in my life and I've launched a ton of products. Um, I've done it both ways. I know what's easier. It's, it's much easier. Um, it's much easier dealing with two actions than with 12 actions. That makes sense. That's my math. So, you know, take it or leave it. You got it, Whaley. You got it, man. It's, it's two actions, two actions, a little easier. Um, so, you know, that, that's it, man. That's it. Launching products is hard, man. And here's the thing about launching products. I, I love launching products, especially for new people, you guys. Like I said before, if you're new, launching products is a great way to get into marketing, I believe. It's a really good model. It's a proven model. And it's a great way to jumpstart your online business. It's a great way to do it. If you're going to launch products, I recommend launching uh, under under your business's name, brand your product launches under the name of your blog, right? Under the name of your blog or your website, brand that thing. I mean, I don't, I don't really necessarily recommend doing it under your own name. I, I would brand it under your business's name, but that, that's just me, man. That's an opinion. That's a take. That's a hot take, right? That's a hot take, man. You got to do what you want to do. These are just my opinions. All right. But, uh, launching products is great. Um, now, uh, you know, I mean, what can I say, man? You reach a point of critical mass. Jamie says, why not under your own name? What are the cons? The con, the cons of the cons of launching under your own name. Well, look, I mean, what you got to remember, Jamie is we're talking about a, we're talking about a business here, right? We're talking about a business that you're running online. Um, and if you make your name, your business, well, then, you know, it, you can't really separate yourself from the business. What happens if you want to outsource content creation? What happens if you want to outsource, you know, traffic? What happens if you want to outsource this? What happens if you want to outsource that? All of a sudden, you know, you're, you're like the face of the business. You are the business. It's your name. You know, what happens if in like 10 years and you want to sell your online business? How do you sell your own name? Right. So, so that's, that's what it is for me. Um, also, I think subconsciously, when you, you name your business something separate from you, um, you kind of treat it more like a business. When, when it's just your name, I don't know. It, it's, it's a little personal at that point, isn't it? It's a little personal now, isn't it? It's your name. Kind of hard to treat your name like a business. You know, that, that's just me. I mean, just opinions, guys. Just, just my hot takes. And I, I've done it. I've done it both ways, you know. I've I've, I've uh, used my own name before to do things, and uh, I've used an actual brand to do things. And I I prefer doing it with a brand because I, there's some separation there. I can I can uh, I can outsource things a lot easier under a brand. I can sell my business easier under a brand, um, and I can treat my business like a business when I when I have it have its own name. It's easier for me to treat it like a business. Um, that, that's what I'd say about that. Um, you know, launching is hard, you guys. You know, it's not just the uh, the 12 actions versus two actions example that I gave you guys. There's other things to it. Um, 
you know, there's a lot of competition in the launch game. And, you know, I'm a competitive dude, so that doesn't bother me. But I don't always want to be competitive. It's tiring. It's tiring being competitive all the time. You know, sometimes it's nice just to start collecting members for a membership site and to teach people just to provide value inside the walls of your membership site and not worried about, oh, my God, this cat's launching on the same day I'm launching. Oh, my God, it's going to be a war. <laughs> now we're all now we're all chasing each other's tails, man, trying to have the best bonuses, trying to do this, trying to do that, man, competing for sales on the same day. You know, it, it just gets insane. It gets insane. And all of a sudden, sometimes it's like, man, we're fighting for that deal of the day. Make a break situation. Sometimes you spend all, you know, all month getting prepared for a launch. And it all comes down to this. And it, sometimes there's a feel, you guys. There's a feel with launching products. There's a feel to it. I don't know if it's like that for everybody, but it's like that for me. There's a feel to it. Every time you go to launch, in your mind, it feels like this is for all the marbles. Like every month you're going to the Super Bowl or something, you know? And that's a little stressful. That kind of high-impact situation, you know, where you're always feeling like it's for all the marbles. And then if you go every month, you know, you're – Every month you finish that launch and you go right into the next launch cycle. You keep you keep rolling. And it's like every month, it's like it's always for all the marbles every single month. And it's like, you know, my last launch was not not quite as good. It wasn't quite as good. And it led me to it, it really helped helped me to kind of look at my business and think about you know what I was doing and kind of think about where my security lies and, and why and why I need to focus on my membership site and why I need to make sure I have a really good foundation in place like that. Because when you have a really good foundation in place, you can launch. You can launch whenever you want, but you don't have to do it every month. It doesn't have to be for all the marbles. You know what I'm saying? You can focus on your list building. You can focus on your membership site and you have a nice solid foundation. So that's, that's kind of where I'm coming from that at you guys, you know, Launching inside your own membership site is nice. Um, it's it's not it's not as competitive. Uh, you don't have to compete quite as much. So, uh, like I said, I'm a competitive dude. I like to compete as much as the next guy, but it gets a little tiring after a while. Um, you know, I like doing affiliate marketing, but everybody should understand when you do affiliate marketing, you know, you're cannibalizing your list a little bit. You have to understand that. Everybody should understand that um, affiliate market affiliate marketers are are very valued in the internet marketing space. You know, affiliate marketers. You know, we get a lot of respect in the internet marketing space because we know how to drive traffic, right? We know how to drive really hot traffic. That's why we are valued in the space. But as an affiliate marketer, you have to understand you cannibalize your list when you send them at other people's stuff. So you have to be able to keep goodwill up on your list. And you also have to understand, it doesn't matter how much goodwill you keep up on your list. Every time you send your list to someone else's product, now all of a sudden you're sharing a lead with that person and that person is going to start sending to your lead. So it doesn't matter how much goodwill you send to your list. You're compounding competition. You are compounding your competition every time you do it. 
every single time. So you're going to make your list more unresponsive. The more you affiliate market with your list, the more unresponsive your list is going to be because you're cannibalizing the list. They're going to be hit, getting hit from everywhere. And that's just the way it is. I'm not trying to paint a grim picture. I just want everybody to understand you know, what's happening when you're doing affiliate marketing. Um, I love affiliate marketing. Don't get me wrong. I love affiliate marketing. I love, I love promoting products that aren't mine. I love rising to the challenge and finding different angles to promote cool products. I love doing it. But you have to realize what's happening. Your, your biggest asset or one of your biggest assets is your email list. So you really have to be careful and take care of it. I'm getting messed up. I got the live stream going on Facebook and on YouTube. So I'm like getting messed up. So if you see me looking in two different directions, it's because I got two live streams going. Um, you got to be careful. You got to be careful. You, you, your biggest asset is your audience. Um, and the core of your audience is your email list. So you have to be careful when you start sending your leads out to other people, especially when you're sending your leads out to people who are just better marketers than you. They have a bigger budget than you do. They've been doing email marketing longer than you have. Um, and they are going to steal those leads from you. That's what's going to happen. I mean, point blank. Oh, you mail three or four times a week? Oh, cool. Well, the cat you just gave those leads to, he mails every day, son. And he's got like three people doing his email marketing for him. And he makes seven figures a year. He's going to take those leads from you. He's presenting fancier packages with cooler stuff. And it's, it's just shinier. It's shinier stuff. You're going to lose the sale to that cat. you know. And if he's selling something at the same time you're selling something, guess what? You lose. Your customer is going to go with him now. And it's your fault because you gave him that lead. <laughs> It's all good, man, but I'm just saying you got to be careful. I'm not saying don't do affiliate marketing, guys. I'm just saying understand what's happening and be careful. That's all I'm saying. Um, you make sure you're doing marketing for yourself too. Make sure you know that your your list is is ingrained in your culture and, and what you got going on. So, um, so yeah, those are some of the reasons why I'm uh, stepping away from the launch game for a little while. Um, I love the launch game. I, I love launching products. Um, but it's tiring, man. It gets tiring, and uh, you know I've decided to pull back at least for the rest of this year, and uh, and just uh, launching my membership site. So I'm just gonna be launching my products on my membership site. That's the Epic Conversions Insiders Club. For those not in the know, uh, my website's called Epic Conversions. It's a blog, a lot of cool free content on my blog. But my blog has a membership site, and it's called Epic Conversions Insiders Club. Right? Pretty cool. So because I'm focusing on my Epic versus Insiders Club uh, and I'm not launching publicly, um, I wanted to add some more stuff. I wanted to step up my Insiders Club game. I wanted to uh, – I'm going to start doing monthly Q&A mentoring calls with my members. So basically it's like free coaching, right? We're going to do free coaching in the Insiders Club. Every month we're going to do coaching calls. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to do weekly content for the insiders. Every every week we're going to be putting uh, weekly content out. Guys on Facebook, uh, my my uh, iPod is running low on battery power, so you guys might get cut off here pretty soon. And if that happens, I do apologize. You can catch me on YouTube, though. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah, weekly actionable content. Just started that every single Monday. Just started that yesterday. Um, put a really nice little uh, piece of content in there on offline marketing. 
uh, ways to market offline, right? Pretty cool stuff. Uh, but that's the EC Insiders Club, and uh, you can you can check that out over epicconversions.com. Wanted to tell you guys this crazy story. Um, today was nuts, man. First of all, today was nuts. I mean, I'm not kidding you. Just hold on a second. I need to rewind this. Okay, so yesterday, my wife and I went out to uh, Lowe's. We went out to Lowe's. The hardware store, Lowe's. You guys know about Lowe's, right? The hardware store. We went out to Lowe's yesterday. And I cruised through the park as I was driving out to Lowe's yesterday. And uh, there was a there was an SUV in the park, right? This is a crazy story. Just wait. There was an SUV in the park, and uh, the SUV the SUV in the park was like it had the door open. It had the driver's side door open. It had a uh, had the driver's side door open and there was a dog hanging out, you know? And I was like, ah, that's kind of weird. It just kind of had a creepy vibe, you guys. You guys ever been, you guys ever drove by anything that just had a weird creepy vibe to it? Well, this had a weird creepy vibe to it. We were driving through the park. There was an SUV just parked there. There was the door was open. There was nobody around that I could see. And this dog was just hanging out by the car. I was like, eh, all right, well, that's weird, but whatever. I got stuff to do. So we, we just drove on to Lowe's. Well, because, you know, and we're going to Lowe's because we got to get stuff for the house. You know, I'm working on this new house we just bought, and uh, and I'm, I've been going to the hardware store a lot. So anyways, that happened. That happened yesterday. Then then the eclipse happened, and everybody was massively let down by the anticlimactic eclipse. By the way, I already knew that was going to be anticlimactic. I don't know why that was such a big deal. I really don't. I mean, I, I get that like it doesn't happen that often, but I mean, who cares, man? I mean, really, who cares? Honestly, there was so much propaganda surrounding that eclipse. It was unbelievable. I mean, <laughs> did anybody really care that much about that thing? Holy moly. Everybody was freaking out. People were canceling school, thinking they were going to go blind. <laughs> Telling me to keep my dogs in the house because my dogs are going to go blind. <laughs> it was absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Give me a break. And then I think that like after the eclipse, I think everybody kind of woke up and came to their senses and was like, wow. Most of them probably felt, feel, they probably felt cheated. Most of them probably felt like, uh, I feel like a dumbass for caring about that so much. Um, I honestly think the media just flips the switch. They flip it on and they flip it off. And when they flip it off, flip it on, holy cow, you can't you can't even think about anything else. They hype stuff up so crazy and so big. Has a solar eclipse ever been hyped up this much in history? I don't remember so. I don't remember so. Anyways, I got off topic. I apologize. But anyways, so yeah, so yesterday. The guy was in the, uh, the world didn't end. Exactly right, Martin. The world did not end. It's nonsense. It's a bunch of bullshit, man. Anyways, I, I digress. So anyways, the SUV was in the park, right? The door was open. There was a dog hanging out. I didn't see anybody. We cruised on by. It was whatever. It was over. Well, today I had to go back to Home Depot. Actually, Lowe's, not Home Depot. I, I went back to Lowe's today and uh, 
cruising through the park again, same path, and what do you know? What did I see? Same creepy SUV sitting there, same door open, front door open. I didn't see any dog. I didn't see any dog, right? I'm like, this is weird. This SUV has been there since yesterday. I was like, holy shit, man. I got to I gotta figure out what's going on here. So so I, I whipped the, the van around. I went back. I parked by the SUV. Um, I parked by the SUV a little bit away from it because I didn't know – I didn't know what I was going to see. I didn't know what I was going to find when I got there. Uh, so I parked a tiny bit away from it. I told my wife to wait in the van. I walked up to the SUV not knowing what I was going to find, you guys. And I saw the dog sitting in the passenger side, the front of the SUV, sitting there in the passenger side just looking at me, just curled up looking at me. I look in the back of the SUV, and there's a guy sleeping in the back of the SUV. Just sleeping there. I don't know if he's sleeping or if he's dead. I honestly don't know if he's sleeping or if he's dead. Now I'm starting to think the worst. And I'm like, man, this cat died in the back of this SUV yesterday. And this thing's been here since yesterday. That door's still open. That dog's still there. And it was, listen, you guys, it was a big dog, okay? It was a big German shepherd, all right? It was a big German shepherd. It was insane. Um. So the dog is looking at me like, don't you get too close. You know, he's looking at me like I'm going to attack you if you try to get too close, you know, to my master. But I'm, I'm sitting there looking at him like, man, you know, I'm afraid this guy's dead in the back of this SUV. This dog's looking at me like he wants to eat me or something. So uh, I, I don't know why I didn't yell to the guy. And I think in my mind, I thought, man, this guy's dead. I don't know why I didn't yell. I should have yelled at the guy. I should have yelled at him. I should have been like, hey, wake up, man. Wake up. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't yell at him. Um, so I, I got kind of close, but not too close. The dog's looking at me like, you better get out of here. You better get away. Um, so I kind of back up, go back to my van, call 911 because I'm thinking, man, this dude is like, I think this dude's dead in this SUV is what I'm thinking, you know? So I call 911, hang up the phone, start waiting on the police. Um, and, you know, me and my wife are talking. And then this guy wa this guy starts walking up, right? This guy starts walking up. He's just like walking through the park. He starts walking by. And he's like, yeah. I was like, man, this." when he walks by, I say, hey, man, this guy, uh, do you see this truck here sitting here? Um, this door open, it's been here since like yesterday. Have you seen that? And he's like, yeah, that thing's been here all week. And that door has been open the whole time. That's what he said. He said, that truck's been here all week. And that door has been here the whole time. <laughs> I was like, really? Wow. Well, I just called the cops. And he said, yeah, that, and that dog is, is pretty mean. He's pretty aggressive. He, he really growls at you if you try to get close to him. And in my mind, I'm thinking, are you kidding me? This SUV has been sitting here for a week with the door open, with this crazy dog growling at everybody, and you've been walking by here for a week, and you didn't do anything about it? I'm telling you guys, the world is getting crazy. I mean, it's just getting crazy. Why wouldn't he call the cops? 
I said, well, I called the cops, so they should be here pretty soon. I don't know. There's a guy sleeping in the back seat. I don't know if he's okay or not. And he's like, oh, well, you're a good Samaritan. I was like, okay. <laughs> I, whatever that means, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I understand what the, 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 word, the words good Samaritan mean, but, I mean, what the hell are you talking about? You've been walking by here on your little exercise path for a week, and you haven't done anything about it. What the hell is the world coming to? I'll leave that up to you guys. You, you guys can answer that one. Open-ended question. What the hell is the world coming to? So anyways, that guy's like, whatever, and he keeps on walking. So then a few minutes later, the cops show up. The cops show up. They get out, and I say, hey, man, be careful. There's a big dog in, that, in the front of that, that SUV, and um, he, looks, he looks pretty damn big. So... <laughs> <laughs> and the cop stops for a second and he's like nods his head he's like okay then he goes around to the other side <laughs> where the door is not open where the door is not open so the dog can't just like instantly like rip his jugular out <laughs> and he taps on the window and I could have swore, I, sh I thought for sure this guy was dead, you guys. But he taps on the window, and the, the dog starts barking viciously at him when he taps on the window. And instantly, I, I thought I made the right decision in not going up there and trying to you know, wake that guy up or check his pulse or something. Because this dog was like, get the hell away. But the guy taps on the window. The cop taps on the window. The dog starts barking crazy. Uh, and the dog barking crazy wakes this guy up and he's like sleeping in the back seat and he wakes up. And when he wakes up, man, I just feel this like feeling of relief. Like, oh man, this dude's alive. That's awesome. You know, that is just freaking awesome. So I think he must've been camping out in the, 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 must've been a homeless guy camping out, camping out in the park for like a week. And I guess his door was open because, you know, he was sleeping in the back seat and he was leaving the door open so the dog could get in and get out of the car whenever he wanted to, I guess. So I asked the cop if you need anything else for me. He's like, nope, you're good. So my wife and I took off um, and we, we went about our business, went to Home Depot or Lowe's, I should say, went on to Lowe's and and. Bought, bought some stuff for the house, but it was a crazy story, man. It was just a crazy, crazy, crazy story. But the, the, the point of that story is this, man. How, how, do you, how do you just watch something that seems so wrong for so long and not do anything about it? H how do you do that? I mean, it just feels like we live in a world today where we have so much information and so much at our disposal. We just have so much, you know, but we do so little. We take so little action. And, and it's just like, it seems like it's a, you know, um, it's just a side effect, man. It's a continuation of what I see online. People not taking action. People just not taking action, man. I mean, this cat literally... Watch this SUV for a week with the door open. This dude just sleeping in the back seat. Did nothing. I don't know. I don't know. Just zero action taken. I don't know what it is, man. 
it's like a like a plague sweeping through the world right now. People just don't want to get involved in anything. People don't want to get involved in anything. They're afraid. They just want to go about their business and not get involved in anything. It's amazing. What are you going to do when it's you with the problem? What are you going to do when it's you having the problem and you need help and you need someone to get involved, but no one wants to get involved in anything? No one wants to reach out and help you. What happens when you're bleeding on the sidewalk and people are just like crossing to the other side of the street because they don't want to get involved? It's amazing. It's amazing. Man, the dude could have been dead in this car for a week. It's amazing. Anyways, thought I'd share that little story with you. It's interesting. Uh, this week uh, inside the Insiders Club, uh, and, and I did I did talk about this, but but I, uh, I released a new piece of content in the Insiders Club yesterday. Uh, it's the weekly content series. I'm putting weekly content in the Insiders Club now. Um, and yesterday I put a, a nice little piece of content in the Insiders Club uh, about offline marketing. It's a, uh, it's a little piece of content to help you with your offline marketing. And, and I was thinking about offline marketing from the, the stance of um, what would I do? What would I do if there was no internet? How could I start a business if there was no internet? Right? That's kind of how I was approaching the idea of offline marketing. And I understand a lot of a lot of people who use offline marketing, they combine the two. They combine online marketing and offline marketing, which I think is fantastic. I think it's great. And if you do any multi-level marketing, you'll see a lot of people, um, you'll see a lot of people combining those two things, especially when they're out there doing the recruiting and they're trying to recruit people for their multi-level marketing schemes. <laughs> That's another subject. I don't even want to get down that road. Multi-level marketing schemes. I know there's some good multi-level marketing products out there. I know there's some good multi-level marketing programs out there, but there's also some bad ones, right? Can we all admit that? Can we all admit there are some bad multi-level marketing programs out there? In fact, we could probably argue there's a lot of pyramid schemes out there that are operating under the guise of multi-level marketing. We could probably say that. We could probably say that. Could we not? I'll let you guys decide. You fill in the blanks. Let me know in the comment section. But I'd say we could say that pretty easily. We could say that pretty easily. Now look, Mary Kay, I think Mary Kay is awesome. I mean, I'm a dude. I don't buy a lot of Mary Kay. But I'll tell you something. I was inspired deeply when I first lost my job. When I first lost my job in 2010, they got me on the road into this online marketing thing. Um, one of the things I did was I went down to my local job and family services, you know, and if you don't know what that is, that's the place where people go to sign up for unemployment and welfare and stuff. And I went down there because I was trying to figure out, I had already signed up for community college. I just lost my job and I signed up for community college and I was like, it hadn't picked up yet. My community college hadn't picked up yet. Like my, I wasn't going to be able to start until like the fall quarter but like I lost my job at the beginning of August. So I had like a gap there and I'm just not the kind of person to just like, I can't just like sit around, man. I got to be executing something, right? I'm just, that's just kind of how I'm wired. I got to be executing something. So I went and I, I went and I, uh, I went to my local job and family services and I saw that they were having this resume building workshop. I said, 
yeah, cool, man. It's free. It's three days. And I want to learn how to do this resume thing. Because I had my job for like almost, well, I'd worked at that hospital for like seven years. So it's been a while since I was in the look for a job game. I'd had a job for a while. So it'd been a while. So, hey, man, I'll brush up on my resume building skills. Um, I knew I was getting ready to go to school, but still, man, you, you never know. I mean, you, you know, it's always good to know how to do a resume and, and get a job, right? So it was a three-day class, and the teacher said, hey, man, I think you'd be really good for this soft skills workshop we got going on. I said, what do you mean? What, what's a soft skills workshop? What's that? He's like, soft skills is like, Basically, it's it's how you interact with other people. It's your, your people skills, how you socialize with people and, and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, um, I don't know, man. And he's like, well, listen, man, I think you'll get a lot out of it. I think you think it's really awesome. I was like, all right, well, cool. I'll talk to my wife about it. So I did, and I ended up joining that soft skills workshop training. And it was two weeks long, and it was awesome man it was awesome if you guys ever get a chance to go to a soft skills workshop i, I highly recommend you do it um but anyways this was amazing and uh one of the speakers who came in to talk to us was this lady from mary Kay. and i you know i probably told this story before but i'll, I'll tell it again but but the, the the point is this lady came in from mary Kay. she had already earned like three pink cadillacs and if you don't know anything about that basically at mary Kay. The better you are at selling and stuff like that, uh, you know, you can earn pink Cadillacs at Mary Kay. I don't know the details of it completely because I've never worked at Mary Kay before. But uh, she had already earned three pink Cadillacs. Uh, she credited a lot of that to self-belief and affirmation statements. She was really big on affirmation statements. And her thing was, um, look, man. Your own, and she said this, your, your brain believes the things that come out of your mouth more than anybody else, right? Your brain believes whatever comes out of your mouth more than anything else. So you got to be very careful with your language and how you talk, how you talk about what you're going to do, how you talk about what you're doing, um, and, and especially how you criticize yourself. You have to be very careful when you start spitting out negative stuff. Right. So she believed this. And I never really heard of affirmation statements before this. Um, but it was a big, big turning point for me, man, because here, here I was looking at someone who said, hey, this stuff works. And it seemed kind of hokey to me. And it seemed kind of like, yeah, whatever, man. OK. But she had all this proof to back it up. You know, she was like, no, no, look, I've you know, I, I'm doing really, really well. I mean, she was really, really successful in, in her business. And uh you know, she credited to that, but, uh, you know, she, she'd look in the mirror in the morning and she would like say her affirmation statements while she was staring at herself. And then when she was like going somewhere in her car, she would repeat her affirmation statements. And she said this worked amazingly well. So anyways, that's, that's, that's how I got into the soft skills training. Um, but, uh, yeah. So offline marketing, the, 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 the thing, I don't know how I got into that, man. I don't know how I got into talking about that. But the point I was trying to talk about was, and I totally got off topic and I apologize, but the point I was trying to talk about was, uh, you know, how, how, how would you market offline if there was no internet, right? How would you do it? How would you run a business offline if there was no internet? right? The internet has been a 
man, it has changed so much for us, hasn't it? I mean, we, we're able to do so much now with the internet that we couldn't do before, or at least it felt like we couldn't do before. Um, I was thinking about it. And like I said, yeah, I did put a nice piece of content in, in the Insiders Club this week on offline marketing and, and how to generate leads with offline marketing. But um, the question, how would I create a business with you know, offline marketing if I didn't have any internet to fall back on? It was a really interesting question to me, man, and it was kind of kind of challenging. I mean, how would you do that without the internet at all? Well, the, the most basic thing, and this is the, the most, that's always the best, right, to keep it as simple as possible. Well, I remember uh, when I first got back to Ohio after, I see I was in the Navy for five years, you guys. And then when I got out of the Navy, I moved to Rhode Island for a while, and then I moved back to Ohio. Um, I'm from Ohio originally, but when I first got out of the Navy, I, I did some traveling, and then I moved back to Ohio. So when I first moved back to Ohio, I'd forgotten about this until this offline marketing thing I was thinking about. Um, but I'd forgotten about this, but I actually I did some guitar lessons. I, you guys might or might not know this, but I actually play guitar. I'm a musician. Um, and when I first got back to Ohio, I, I had a guitar lesson business. <clears throat> And the way that I, I did this guitar lesson business, it was $20 for a half an hour lesson, right? $20 for a half an hour lesson. And the way that I got my clients was, the way that I got my clients was, um, I'd go to local guitar shops and I'd hang flyers, guitar lessons, $20 for a half hour, you know? And I'd cut little, I cut little snips in the bottom of the page this is old school flyers, right? And you can do this without a computer, right? You can write the you can write the flyer up. You can write the flyer up with a Sharpie marker. I think that's what I used, the Sharpie marker. It wasn't professional looking at all. Um, and I and I uh, I think I hand wrote all of them. I don't even think I took it to like a Staples or anything to get a copies made. I think I just hand wrote about five or six of them, and I took them to all the local guitar shops. Hey, thanks, Tony. Thank you, sir. Um, I took them to all my local guitar shops and I, uh, I hung them up. They have my phone number on them at the bottom, little tags at the bottom, because you know I'd cut the little, I put the little snips. I cut the little snips in the paper at the bottom, put my phone number on each snip, so people could just take a little little tag off and like they'd have my phone number, right? Um, and I got calls, and pretty soon I had like four or five clients, right? Guys, that's no different than a membership site. You got people coming for guitar lessons every single week, paying you $20 for a half-hour guitar lesson, right? That's, man, that's pretty good. Pretty soon you're making four or 500 bucks a month giving guitar lessons, right? It's not that hard. It's not that hard. So I would say, like, you know, and I did that, and I did that business. And, and, and I'll tell you something, it wasn't that hard for me because I, I knew how to play guitar, right? And I knew how to talk to people, right? I could talk to people. I was cool. Like, I, at this point in the game, I had already been in the Navy for five years. I'd met all kinds of people. I had dealt with tons of personalities. So, you know, kids coming to me wanting to learn how to play guitar, it wasn't no thing, man. I was a music lover, and whatever they wanted to learn how to play, we could work on it. You know, we could work on it. I could show them how to do it, right? So it was, it was cool, um, and it worked for me. But what if you don't know how to play guitar? Because I know most of you guys watching this don't know how to play guitar. I get it. 
you know, and I, I think that, you know, first of all, throw the guitar thing out because that's just, that's not, that's not important. The important part was the offline business was functional because I learned a skill that other people were interested in learning. Like, and then I advertised for it in places where those people would hang out. It's no different, right? I found something, a problem that a targeted market would want. And then I went out there and I found where the targeted market was hanging out at, right? It's the same thing we do online, you guys, right? You need content, you need a distribution model, right? In this case, you know, the content was my service. It was service. You know, I was, I was, uh, showing people how to play guitar. Um, and my distribution model was simple, right? I, I, I advertised with the uh, guitar shops. I used the phone uh, to connect. And, uh, you know, they came over to my house or I came over to their house. Usually they'd come to my place. Sometimes I'd go to their place and we'd do the guitar lessons, right? So sometimes there was some gas involved, but uh, um, it still it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. And I'll tell you something. You can do this with anything it doesn't have to just be it doesn't have to just be guitar lessons forget about the guitar lessons what if you decide hey man you know what why don't i start a grocery shopping business you know i'll put some flyers at some grocery stores and um i'll i'll be the guy who will drive you to the grocery store once a week you know if you got a lot of el elderly people in your town maybe they could use someone who would take them to the grocery store once a week that they that's pretty dependable you know, maybe they could use someone just to go to the grocery store and pick up a few groceries for them once a week, right? Because it's hard for them to get out there and do it because they're old, you know? There's a lot of different little ways you could do that, man. And you don't need the internet to make that business thrive. I mean, these kinds of businesses are almost like membership sites, right? You get clients and you keep clients, man. And as long as... uh. As long as you're providing good service and you're helping them, man, it, it just works out. I'll tell you something. Businesses like that very quickly turn into four or $500 a month. Very quickly. They really do. You know, And you could probably make that four or $5,000 a month if it's the right service, if it's the right thing you're teaching, right? If it's the right thing you're providing, right? And you guys, all you got to do is just think outside the box a little bit. If you feel like you don't have any skills, if you feel like you don't have any skills, first of all, I promise you, you're wrong. Uh, if you've ever worked a job in your life, you have some skills that are transferable. You ever worked at a store before? Oh, okay, cool. You have some salesman skills probably. You've probably been trained in sales. You probably know a thing or two about it. You might not be the expert, but you're probably a step or two ahead of the guy who's never worked at sales. Have you ever gotten a couple of jobs before? Maybe you're good at teaching people how to get jobs. Trust me, there's a lot of people out there that could use someone to teach them how to get a job, right? Trust me. There's a lot of things out there you're probably pretty decent at. You just don't realize it. You never thought about it before. Um, but if you feel like you're not good at anything, you feel like you're not good at anything, then acquire a skill. Look around your town and think about what kinds of things people are interested in learning around your town? I'll tell you one thing. I bet you I could clean up on that how to get a job thing. I bet you I could. You know, The only problem with that is people who are trying to get a job don't have a lot of money. <laughs> people who are trying to get a job do not have a lot of money. 
<laughs> so they're probably not going to be able to pay me anything. That's the only problem with that little uh, that little uh, idea right there. They probably don't have a lot of money. But I'll tell you something, man. There's one person who knows how to get a job. It's me. You know, I know how to get some jobs, man. I'll tell you that right now. Man, I, I, I get real technical with it, you guys. I Like when I go looking for jobs, I haven't done this for quite a while. Um, but uh, w back when I used to do jobs, I'll tell you something. Man, I would research the company before I even went for the interview. right? I would research everything about the company. So when I went in for the interview, man, I knew about the company. I would ask my interviewer questions about the company. That would impress the hell out of my interviewers, right? And they'd be like, damn, man, this dude, he really, he, you know. Then when they asked me, hey, man, what, what, what kind of position would you like to, to work at here? I would say things like, hey, man, I want the position that's going to give me the biggest chance to advance, man. I, I feel like I can be a real value to your company and I want to advance, man. I want to move up the ladder and I really think I can do it. I really think I provide a lot of value for this company, right? And, and that's what I always answer that question with. And that always put me in good positions with companies, man. Um, you know, a lot, too many people when they're trying to get jobs, man, too many people just go in there like, <laughs> you know, they don't know, man. That's ridiculous. We got the internet, man. You can you can look up the internet for most asked job questions, most asked interview questions. You can look that stuff up now. You couldn't look that up back when I was trying to get jobs. I tell you that, man. Back when I was trying to get jobs, you couldn't look everything up on the internet like that. Now, man, you should be able to have a legit, legit answer for like where do you see yourself in five years? You should bam. You should be able to bang that right out. You should be able to know exactly what they're looking for. With an, when it comes to an answer for that question, any kind of abstract questions they're going to ask you to throw you off guard, man, you should be able to find all the tricks on the internet, right? And I know about them all, man, because I used to actually uh, do interviews for, well, my last job that I was at I actually was uh, part of a group. We did group interviews. There'd be like a whole group of us. You want to talk about a crazy interview, try doing an interview where you have a whole council in front of you asking you questions. Well, that's a that's a tough interview right there. You got a whole group of people throwing questions at you, all sitting there looking at you, judging you. I was on a council like that, and we did interviews like that. So I learned all the tricks for interviews, man. But uh, they're all out there, man. They're all on the internet. You should have no problems if you're out there trying to find a job. Uh, you should have no problems with that. Personally, if I were you, I'd look at working for myself. There's a lot of money to be made on the internet right now, you guys. I mean, there's that's. That's the long and the short of it. There, there's a lot. There's a lot out there. There's a lot of ways to make things happen on the internet right now. But however, I'm not saying people who work at jobs are, 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 are not cool. I'm not saying they're big old dorks or, or buttholes or whatever just because they work at jobs. Nothing wrong uh, with working at a job. You know, that's what you got to do. You do what you got to do. You got to support your family. You got to you got to make ends meet. Um, if you're if you're out there, you're working at a job, then uh, you know. I'll tell you something. If you're out there and you're working at a job and you don't like your job, stop complaining about your job, okay? Find a better job. If you don't like your job and you don't feel like they're paying you enough money, stop complaining about your job. My wife and I was just talking about this the other day about this whole McDonald's thing. I don't know if you guys remember like last year, I think it was, not too long ago. Um, not too long ago, they were 
all the McDonald's employees were complaining they weren't making enough money. They wanted to make more money. I laughed, man. I thought it was just funny. I mean, because, man, it's like, why are people so entitled these days? Why is this new generation so entitled? They act like the world owes them something. The world don't owe you anything. It just doesn't. The world doesn't owe you anything. I tell you, man, a lot of these kids, they got, man, they got a hard road coming. They really do. They don't get it, man. The world doesn't owe you a thing. If you walk into this world like you're entitled and everybody owes you something, man, the world is going to chew you up and spit you out. And that's just the way it is, man. Everything in this life you are going to have to take. And I don't mean take it in a bad way. I mean work for it. I mean work for it and never quit. Just keep on pounding your head against that wall until eventually you break through. And that's how you got to do it, man. That's how you got to do it. The world owes you nothing. McDonald's didn't owe those people more money. McDonald's didn't owe those people more money. If you want more money, find a better job. Stop complaining to McDonald's. McDonald's is entry-level work. McDonald's is where kids go to work when they graduate high school. That's where you go when you got no experience and you, you can't get a job anywhere else. Find a better job. You know, use your brain, man. Use your brain. Just, just today I was at the library. The library was hiring. You want to talk about a sweet job. How cool is that? A government job working at the library? Library assistant? Are you kidding me? Give me a break. My dad worked construction for 30 years. Concrete man, 30 years. He would laugh at working at a library. I'm telling you. Not trying to be on a rant about it, you guys. I'm just saying people are too entitled today. You know? We have, I can't believe we have so much at our fingertips. The world of knowledge at our fingertips. And yet people feel so entitled. Like the world owes them something. They don't want to think. They don't want to act. It's insane. What is happening? Man. Whatever. Anyways, I'll stop ranting about it. I apologize. If you're just tuning in, welcome. Welcome to the Easy Money Show. This is episode one of my brand new show. It's going to be on YouTube every Tuesday, streamed live. Every Tuesday, streamed live. The Easy Money Show. And I'll tell you my tagline in a minute. This is the Easy Money Show where we are generally aware that people make money online and we even talk about it sometimes. <laughs> we even talk about it sometimes. We're generally aware that people make money online and we even talk about it sometimes. What do you guys think of that tagline? Come on, man. Come on. Got a Q&A question. Came to me by email. I'll share it with you guys and, and I'll answer it the best I can. So I, I get a lot of emails. Um, if you guys are out there and, and you do internet marketing and, and you make money online, you probably get a lot of emails too. So it seems like when you start making money on the internet and you actually really start doing this for a living and this is your job, you know, one of the benefits of having an audience is, is people tend to ask you a lot of questions. So that's pretty cool, man. I like to be able to answer people's questions. Um, thank you, Tony. Appreciate you, man. Um, 
I like to be able to answer people's questions, man, and it's cool. It's cool. So I got a question by email um, today, uh, and, and let me read it to you guys, and, uh, and I'll answer it the best I can. So would it be a good idea to start with a blog first before I do a website just to build an audience? Then I can go into building a website and creating a product. So it's kind of a question. It's, it's like an audience building question. So what, what I think he's asking is if he should start a blog first just to build an audience, right? Should I start a blog first to build an audience and then launch a product? And to, to answer that, I would, I would answer that with a big fat no. And I'll tell you why the answer is no, okay? The answer is no because nobody gives a shit about your blog, all right? They just don't, right? They don't care about your blog, right? So here's what happens when you start a blog, and I, I answer this with experience because I have a blog, and I had another blog before I started this blog, and uh, in both cases, it was the same. Nobody gave a shit about my blog. I had to go out and find the people who cared about the stuff I was writing about and try to pull them at my blog, right? I had to go out and find them and pull them back to my blog. Right? I had to find them and pull them back. Right? Every single time it was the same. I had to find the people wherever they were hanging out at and then pull them back to my blog. All right. So when it comes to audience building, um, what you want to do, in my opinion, um, is you want to go where people naturally habitat, habitate, circulate. <laughs> you want to go to where the people are naturally hanging out, their natural habitats, right? And you want to publish consistently in those places, all right? People love YouTube, right? If you can find it in yourself to start a YouTube channel, that will serve you far better than starting a blog when you're first starting out. A YouTube channel will serve you better than a blog. I'm not telling you, I'm not telling you to not have a blog. What I'm telling you is a YouTube channel is in a place where people already hang out, all right? That's you bringing your content to the people, right? You put your content on a blog, and you're going to have to bring the people to the blog, okay? If you want to start an audience, if you want to build an audience, you build an audience where the people are already hanging out at because you're eliminating a step, right? Build your audience where the people already are. Why? Because if you were going to build a fort, if you were going to build a house, if you were going to build a castle, would you build it where you have no resources to build? Would you build a castle with no stone? Or would you build it close to where you have a lot of stone? Right? You'd build it close to where you have a lot of stone. Would you build a house in a place where you have no wood? Of course not. You're going to build a house in a place where you got lots of wood. You need resources. You need resources, right? So when it comes to audience building, we need people, man. We need people. Let's build the audience in the woods where there's lots of wood, right? Let's build the audience in a place where lots of people hang out. So, so if we look at it like that, then it makes sense to build our audience on a place like YouTube. It makes sense to build our audience on a place like Facebook. It makes sense to build our audience in a place like LinkedIn, right? Or Twitter or Pinterest. It makes sense to build our audience in a place where people already hang out, right? 
then always the next question will be like, well, how, you know, how do I build the audience there? Uh, dude, it's the same way you would have built it on your blog. You publish consistently. You were going to do one art article a week on your blog. Well, shit, why don't you do one article a week on, on YouTube? Why don't you do one video a week on YouTube? It'll serve you far better. And if you want to do the blog, cool, man. Put the put the video on the blog too, but but it needs to be in a place where you got people, right? That's 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 their natural habitat. No one's natural habitat is probably ever going to be your blog, right? No one's probably ever going to care about your blog the way they care about Facebook or YouTube or LinkedIn or whatever, you know. And if you want to know what all the natural habitats are, just yeah, it's easy, right? You just ask yourself, well, you know. What site does the average person like always go to when they get on the internet, right? For for a lot of people, that's Facebook, right? Mo a lot of people hit Facebook when they get on the internet. For a lot of people, it's also YouTube, right? A lot of people hit YouTube when they get on the internet. They're hitting it for different reasons. They're hitting Facebook because they want to interact, right? And they're hitting YouTube because they want to learn or they want to be entertained. So th there's a different reasons there, but the fact is all the same people are hitting those sites. Right. But then you got other other people who are a different crowd, right? They're a different crowd. You got the Instagram crowd, right? You know, so you got people hitting the gram like multiple times a day. The gram. You like that? That's the new the shortened version for Instagram. We just call it the gram now. I learned that from uh Gary V. The gram. <laughs> Gary V's cool. You guys like Gary V? He's got some cool videos, man. I like Gary V. He's he's always motivational to me. Very motivational. I like him. But yeah, um, yeah, that's what I would do, man. That's what I would do to answer that question. Um, I would focus on building my audience on a platform where people naturally habitat. Uh, I'm not saying don't start a blog, but start a blog in conjunction with with what you're doing on that platform. If you're smart, use the use the content that you're putting on that platform and also put it on your blog, right? So you're 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 maximizing the reach of your content that way, right? You're pulling in people in for for your blog, you know, with with SEO, organic search traffic, um, but you know, you got the social media angle, you know, you're going to the people. You know, look, you're putting your destiny in your hands when you go to the people and you put the content there, right? You chase the people down who care about the crap you're talking about and you put the crap you're talking about in front of them. That's putting your destiny in your own hands, right? Trying to fiddle with your SEO all day on your website, trying to get a few more visitors every day until, oh, oh shit, Google just changed their algorithm again. Now I'm screwed. <laughs> now I got to change everything. Hold the phones, man. Hold the phones. Google just changed their algorithm. Holy cow. Hurricane, hurricane, you know, Hurricane Katrina part two just hit. You know, Google changed their algorithm. Change the, change everything, dude. Change everything. Now I got to hire an SEO expert to change everything because it's changed from last year. And my search results just dropped off the map, right? So I think you put your destiny in your own hands when you go to the audience and you find them and you put your content in front of them. That's what I think. Do it consistently and you can build an audience, right? What kind of content do you put in front of them? Have a take, my friends. Have a take. Don't just give them information. Have an opinion. Have a take, right? People don't follow information. People follow opinions.
Maybe you see that as a good thing. Maybe you see it as a bad thing. I see it as a real thing. It is what it is. Take it. Don't take it. If I were you, you guys know what I'm going to say. If I were you, I'd take it to the bank. So anyways, um, you know, been working a lot of my, uh, been working a lot of my new house lately. Um, for those that don't know out there, uh, just recently we closed on a house. Uh, we closed on a house and it meant a lot to me because the first house I ever bought, first of all, and second of all, it was bought entirely with independent income, right? Um, and, and I didn't buy it right out. I'm not saying I bought the house right out. I got a loan from the bank to buy the house. But that's kind of even cooler to me than buying it right out. And I'll tell you why. Um, because, see, I went to the bank. Um, I went to the bank, you know, and, uh, and I said, uh, you know, look, I want to get a house. I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur. I work for myself. And they said, okay, cool, no problem. We need your income tax statements for the last two years. We need uh, profit loss statements for your business. So it was like boom, 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 boom. I gave it all to them, and we got it lined up, got approved for a loan, and we were able to get a house, right? And, and it was cool, and it was cool because the bank trusted me with a bunch of money. They didn't just trust me with a bunch of money. They trusted my business with a bunch of money. They saw me as someone who is consistently making money for myself. They didn't see me as some kind of risky investment. So I thought that was pretty cool. Not that I need a bank to validate anything for me. Not that I give a crap what the bank thinks. But it's just nice to reach another milestone. It's nice to reach another benchmark. You guys feel what I'm saying? We don't need the banks to validate anything for us, do we? We know where we're headed. We know what our visions are. We get it. But it is nice when we cross another benchmark. It is nice when society as a whole sees you as legitimate and stops laughing at you for a second, stops trying to judge you for a second, and sees you as legitimate. That's kind of a nice feeling. Because I remember, I still remember walking into the bank 10 years ago asking the teller, how come my, my bank account's short on funds? This was 10 years ago. You know, back when I still worked at a normal job, I remember walking in asking, hey, how come my bank account short on funds? Why is my bank account in the negative? What happened to my bank account? And I remember her giving me a checkbook to balance, a, a checkbook balance sheet, like patronizing. You know what I'm saying? Very patronizing. Very patronizing. I come in here asking you about why my check, why my checking account was off and wrong. And like, you want to give me a checkbook balancing sheet? Like, I don't know how to balance my checkbook. Okay. I found that to be patronizing. I found that to be very patronized, but I still remember it. I, 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 I filed that one away under, we'll see how this goes. We'll see how this goes. I'm going to show everybody here eventually. But uh, yeah, that's how it is, man. People like to look down on you. When you come from nothing, people like to look down on you. When you start your business, people will still look down on you. People will look down on you, and when you start making money, people will start hating on you. <laughs> That's the way that goes. You think everyone's going to love you when you make a bunch of money? They're not. <laughs> They're going to love you if they feel like you got you you can help them in some way, right? You know, 
they're going to hate on you behind your back. I don't know why. Your closest friends, when you were poor, hate, hate on you when you start making money. I have no idea why. I guess that's the irony of it, man. That's the irony of it. It's the universe's sweet irony. The universe's sweet irony, folks. The universe's sweet irony dictates that when you start making money for yourself, when you become a legitimate entrepreneur, then everybody who knew you before you were a legitimate entrepreneur, now they just want to not like you anymore. <laughs> You're not part of their group anymore. You're different. You smell different. <laughs> insane but i'm working on a new house a lot lately you guys and uh let me tell you something i've been working on the new house a lot lately and i uh have been doing a bunch of stuff that i've never done before to be honest with you uh, i've never had to do home repair before i've never had to do it before so it's been a lot of new experiences i ripped out all this old carpet we're putting new carpet in this house i ripped out all the old carpet thought it was going to be a piece of cake and uh, and then I ran into these carpet tack strips, right? These carpet tack strips that lined all the walls inside my house, right? And it was just like, I thought they were going to be easy. I thought they were going to come up easy, but they didn't. At first, I tried just like, you know, taking a hammer to them and they didn't come up. Not at all. <laughs> you know, not at all, man. They didn't come up at all. And then I tried uh. I tried getting me a chisel. I didn't have a chisel. Thanks, man. Went back to the hardware store, got me a chisel. I said, this is how I'm going to do it. This is going to be easy. Went back home with my chisel and my hammer. I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pound on this chisel. I'm going to pound the hammer on the chisel, and these things are just going to pop right up. Yeah, right, man. It didn't work like that. They didn't pop right up. They kind of like some of them disintegrated. Some of them like would just not pop right up. It, it just was not working out very good at all. So I got frustrated, and I uh, I poked my hand with the with the damn tack strip, and they're really sharp, by the way. I don't recommend doing that. Be very careful when you're dealing with carpet tack strips. Went back home. My wife said, "Did you get it? Did you get it done?" I said, "No, I didn't get it done yet." I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> it's a very humbling experience. Yeah, they're the devil. You got it right, man. They are the devil. So, so I went back home. I watched a couple YouTube videos on how to pull up carpet tack strips. I know, I know you're probably laughing at me right now. That seems insane. Why would you need to watch YouTube videos on how to do something so simple? But I did. I didn't know what I was doing. So watched some YouTube videos, found a guy who said the best way to get them up is with a shovel. And I was like, oh, man, the answer to my prayers. That makes so much sense. A shovel. It makes perfect sense. Why didn't I think of that? And without thinking, before I read the comments in the video, I told my wife, I got it all figured out, honey. I knew exactly how I'm going to get this carpet strips up with a quickness. And uh, then I started reading the comments section. And everybody was calling that guy an idiot because he said, if you try to take up carpet uh, carpet tack strips with a shovel, you're going to ruin your trim. You're going to ruin your trim of your house. You're going to mess everything up. You're going to scratch your floor up. It's going to be horrible. You're an idiot for trying to do that. And this, like, now I'm confused because I'm like, oh, man, what the hell? I don't want to ruin my trim. What am I doing? I don't know what to do. So I went out in the garage for the new house I just bought. 
And uh, lo and behold, sitting in the corner, the previous tenants left. And listen, let me tell you guys something. This tool, it was like Pulp Fiction when you know when uh when Jules ask uh ask uh, uh Vincent Vaughn if like if, if they're happy. And Vincent Vaughn opens up Vincent Vega, not Vincent Vaughn. Vincent Vega opens up the case, and you like you can see like a glow, something glowing, like shining on his face. And he's like, "Oh yeah, we happy, right?" You know, like it was like the Holy Grail, right? And I found the Holy Grail in this garage for this new house, and I'll tell you what it was in a second. It was a crowbar, and I saw this crowbar, and in my mind I thought, "Man, this is it right here. This crowbar could work." Crowbar is not quite as damaging as a shovel, but it's not quite as, you know, dainty as a chisel, right? It's like somewhere in between. A crowbar is somewhere in between the daintiness of a chisel and the 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 the, the power the power of a shovel. There's there's the crowbar, dude. Let me tell you something. This crowbar worked like a charm. If you want to get carpet carpet tax strips up, you know, use a crowbar. That's all I got to say about that. Use a crowbar if you want to get carpet tack strips up. It works like a charm. They pop right up. It's fantastic. That's what I recommend. Um, it's what worked for me. So what have I learned so far? I've been rehabbing this house. It's been great. It's been a great experience. When I first started, it was super frustrating because I was afraid I was going to mess stuff up worse than they already were. Right? The house looked pretty good when we got it. My wife wants to change a bunch of stuff. I want to change a bunch of stuff. We're typical first-time home buyers, right? We want to change a bunch of stuff. We got this house, and so we want it to look really cool. Um, and, and but I'm like, I've never done a lot of this stuff, and like, I'm kind of like, I'm afraid I'm going to break stuff. And here's what I've learned so far, and it's something I kind of already knew, but I, I guess I forgot it because we forget stuff, right? That's the crappy part. That's the crappy part about life. Sometimes we 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 learn things and then we forget them, right? But anyways, I kind of relearned this, this lesson, and it was like, the lesson was this, okay? Don't be afraid to break stuff, you guys. Don't be afraid to break stuff. Don't be afraid to fail, right? I mean, you have to learn. You have to learn, and you can't learn if you're afraid to fail. That's it, right? I want to rehab the bathroom. I want to put brand new carpet down in the house. I want to do this. I want to do that. But I don't know how to do any of that stuff. But if I'm afraid to fail, I'm never going to get anywhere with this house. I mean, I got to be ready to break down everything. <laughs> All right, Tony. Good seeing you, brother. But I gotta be, I gotta be ready to, I gotta be ready to fail, man. I gotta be ready to break everything just so I can learn how to fix everything. Because if I can break it, I can fix it, right? So that's what I've learned so far. I'll get back to you guys with more lessons I've learned when I, as farther I go into this house repair project. Uh, but right now, one of the biggest takeaways that I've had from working on this new house is don't be afraid to break stuff. You have to learn. And you can't learn if you're afraid to fail. You can't learn if you're afraid to fail. This whole uh, show that we're doing here, the Easy Money Show, um, it's on behalf of EpicConversions.com. Make sure you get over there and check out the blog. 
Uh, it's all on behalf of Epic Inversions Insiders Club. Um, that's uh, that's uh, my paid membership program. It's a, it's a discount club, guys. It's only $10.80 a month. Okay? Now, what do you get for $10.80 a month in the Epic Conversions Insiders Club? I will tell you. You get free mentoring for one. We do a coaching call once a month in the Insiders Club. I just started that. I just started it. Um, you get weekly actionable content. Every week, I'm putting out new content in the Insiders Club. Every Monday, new content drops. It's always going to be actionable. It's always going to be actionable content. It's weekly actionable content, right? You also get a new product every month. And for a while, those products aren't going to be public. I'm not going to be putting out public products for a little while. I'm just going to be launching them in my membership program. I'm just going to be launching them in the Insiders Club for a little while. Um, and why? Well, I talked about earlier in the show, but the reason why is I'm just I'm I'm getting tired of launching products for a little while uh, publicly. Um, but that's that's what's up. So make sure you get over there and check out my blog, epicconversions.com. Make sure you check out the uh, Epic Conversions Insiders Club. All right, it's always good. Always good. We welcome you. Love to have some new members. There's a special going on right now with the Insiders Club. Uh, it's $1.99 for a seven-day trial. Seven-day trial, $1.99. So you can get in there and check out the Insiders Club, check out all the cool stuff, and if you like it, stay. You know, It'll be $10.80 $10 a month. Cancel whenever you want. If you don't like it, just leave. You got seven days to check it out. Do what you want to do. If you don't like it, just cancel and leave. Don't worry about it. Not a big deal. Um, I want to talk to you guys about something else that I found really interesting. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, wanted to talk about uh, trends, right? Because I've been following this fidget spinner trend. Has anyone been following the fidget spinner trend? Does anybody know about the fidget spinner trend? It seemed like last year the fidget spinner trend just blew up. Both of my kids wanted like a co giant collection of the fidget spinners. At all, it seemed like everybody had these fidget spinners. Pretty soon they were everywhere. They were everywhere. And now, right now, here we are in August of 2017, and it seems like the whole fidget spinner thing is kind of going away. It's kind of not a big deal anymore, you know? It's not a big deal anymore. And I was I was thinking about the fidget spinner thing, and it kind of reminded me of the adult coloring book thing that happened a year or two ago. You guys remember when the adult coloring book thing just blew up, and there was like everybody cared about adult coloring books for a little while, and then as quickly as it had came, it was gone. And I, and I started thinking about these trends, and I was like, why why do some things just like become massively popular, and then just for like, it seems like no reason, like as fast as they ca they come, they're gone. And, and like what was valuable, like super valuable, like, you know, a few months ago, now all of a sudden it's not valuable at all. Why is that? Why does that happen? You know, and I started looking it up and I started researching it. Like why do fads fade away? I mean, why do fads fade away? Why does that even happen? You know, and I kind of, found a really interesting story and I'll share it with you. Do you guys remember uh, Farmville from a few years back? Uh, Farmville. For a while, everyone was playing this game on Facebook called Farmville, you know, and uh, it was a massive thing. And I looked it up and, and in 2009, 
Farmville had 83.8 million monthly active users. 2009 was this giant big year for Farmville. They leveraged the power of Facebook to reach a ton more people, and everybody loved this game, Farmville, in 2009. In 2010, the company, Zynga, who created Farmville, you know, generated more than $36 million in revenue from this little game. This is where people were spending real money for virtual objects to do virtual farming, right? That equaled $36 million in revenue. That's insane, right? But they were doing really, really good in 2010. And, and, and after they, they made all that money, they said, hey, you know what? We're kicking ass. Let's, let's release some more stuff. Let's, let's do Cityville. Let's do Chefville. Let's do Frontierville. And, and they, they released those three, and they released a bunch more, a bunch more of these little Ville series games, right? Um, and in March of 2012, just two years later, Zynga's stock was up, right? And the company was valued at $10 billion overall. That's what the company was valued at, $10 billion in March of 2012 overall. Now, this is the crazy part, okay? In November of 2012, the stock had plummeted by 80%. The new games that Farmville had put out, or the new games that Zynga had put out, they were just like... They were reskinned versions of Farmville, right? There wasn't a whole lot of difference. If you played Farmville, you pretty much got what Chefville was about and what Cityville was about and what Frontierville was about. I mean, you pretty much got the message. I mean, it was all the same game. It just looked a little bit different, right? And and it kind of it kind of like really pointed out this whole idea of an element of mystery, right? You know, a, a finite variability, right? And, and the idea of a finite variability states that, you know, an experience that becomes predictive uh, for a user, you know, an experience that becomes predictive with use, it's going to wear out, right? If people get sick of something because it becomes predictable, right? It's just very predictable with use. They're going to grow tired of it, and it's go, going to go away, right? So a lot, of, a lot of these games, like a lot of these fads, they have finite variability. They have finite variability. It's just like a movie. A movie has finite variability. You watch a movie one time, and, and now you've seen it. You, you've seen it. It's predictable. If you watch it again, you know exactly what's going to happen. So what happens? Well, the movies... The movie studios, they come out with new movies, right? They come out with new movies because just because they made a lot of money on this movie in 2017, that movie's not going to continue to make them a bunch of money because people know the movie. It's predictable. It's got finite variability, right? There's an end to, there's an end to what it can do. It becomes predictable and people grow tired of it. Well, you might think, well, what about the yo-yo? The yo-yo is not uh, – it didn't fade out. The yo-yo continued to be popular. You can buy a yo-yo anywhere. Well, if you look at the yo-yo and you look at the history of the yo-yo, there was a point in time where the yo-yo was massively popular, and then it kind of just broke down to a normal level of popularity. But how did it become a classic? 
how do you how did a yo-yo escape this idea of finite variability? I, I tell you something, I don't know exactly, but I, I got some theories, and I think one of them is like the idea of tricks, you know? You can do so many like weird tricks with a yo-yo. There's all there's all these different tricks, and I think that the people who 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 did all these tricks and who 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 uh who found all these new uses for the yo-yo kind of kept it alive, right? Because that kept the that kept the mystery alive. Now the yo-yo became like a sport, right? And I don't think that you can do that with a fidget spinner because you know, you can't do a whole lot of tricks with a fidget spinner. So it's 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 got this one thing that it can do, and it's almost like it's destined to burn out and fade away because it's got that finite variability. I think the answer for the company that makes the fidget spinner is coming out with the next thing, the next thing that maybe people could do tricks with. I don't know. You know, I'm just guessing. Maybe it's the same with the adult coloring books. With adult coloring books, it's, you know, I mean – you color in it, you know, and then it's over. I mean, you can only justify coloring, coloring for so long as an adult. I mean, you can say it's for stress relief, it's for anxiety, and I think that's actually true. I think, I think, uh, you know, coloring probably does help with stress and anxiety. It's been proven actually, but you know, there's still this idea that you know, coloring is for kids, you know, and I think eventually, you know, a fad like that, you know, is, is gonna kind of fade away. I mean, it, it, that's just the way it is. That's kind of what I came up with. Finite, finite variability. You guys can look that up. I thought it was pretty interesting. That was pretty interesting. Element of mystery. Same with games. Same with games. You know, like we talked about Farmville. <clears throat> Same with video games. I mean, think about it, man. Why do you think these video games, man, they have they have all these online interactions now? Oh, that's the new big thing with video games is like for them to have an online element where you can download new stuff for the video game, right? They're trying to give it infinite variability, right? They're trying to find ways to make it new again, to make it have a high replayability, right? <clears throat> so Interesting, interesting stuff. You might think, well, how could I do that with my uh, my business? How could I produce some of that infinite variability with my business? It's a good question. It's a good question. It might be something we explore in the Insiders Club, you know, you know, maybe next week or something. But uh, let's do another question. Like I was telling you guys, I get a lot of questions. I get a lot of people asking me questions. A lot of Q and A. Um, when you make money on the internet, you get a lot of you get a lot of questions. That's just the way it is. If you're doing something that a lot of people want to learn how to do, they ask you questions. Um, next question: What is the easiest way for me to start building an audience? Someone was asking me uh, yesterday what what the easiest way that they could start building an audience would be. I, I've built an audience um, in two huge ways. Um, one was on YouTube and one was on Facebook. And, and here's what I'll tell you. Um, I think that the audience that you can build on Facebook comes together a little faster. Well, it comes together quite a bit faster. But I think that the audience that you can build on YouTube um, is a lot stronger. It's a little stronger of an audience, right? You get more authority right off the bat with YouTube when you start publishing videos. So when you ask me... What's the easiest way for me to start building an audience? <clears throat> the easiest way to start building an audience is to pick a place where people hang out at 
regularly and publish consistently there. Be part of the scene. I think the best place to do it is on YouTube. That That's what I think. Um, that's where I started my online business legitimately from. I had a membership site called Adventures on the River, and I started driving traffic to it with YouTube videos, and it worked for me. Um, so I, I think YouTube is a great place to start personally. Uh, it's not the only place to start, but I think it is a great place to start. There's a lot of authority with publishing videos consistently. Um, <clears throat> I'm excited about uh, this Conor McGregor-Floyd Mayweather fight. Any of you guys out there uh, excited about the uh, Conor McGregor-Floyd Mayweather fight? It's happening this weekend on the 26th of August, uh, Saturday night. I'm excited. I'm I'm fascinated by it, man. I I am I am ready to watch it. Um, I'll tell you what I think too. I I think that I think that Conor McGregor is going to knock Floyd Mayweather out. I think he's going to win that fight. I know a lot of people don't agree with me. I know a lot of people think I'm insane, but I I just see it, man. I see that happening. I see it happening. He's a bigger dude. He's got he got he's got longer reach. He's younger. Um. He hasn't taken two years off, uh, and McGregor just—I mean—he just has a way of making things happen. I mean, the dude just visualizes things and they get done. I don't know. I've been watching him fight for a long time now, for the last few years, and uh, yeah, he, he never fails to deliver, you know. But uh, yeah, that's what I think is going to happen. But either way, I think it's going to be a super entertaining fight. I think it's going to be an entertaining night, and uh, I, I think it's really cool, man. I, I mean, they're saying it's going to be a billion-dollar fight. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Can you imagine a billion-dollar fight? Isn't that amazing? A billion-dollar fight. It's crazy, man. A billion-dollar fight. So Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather are both going to clear $100 million on this fight. You know? $100 million. Now, I remember... Now, listen. Conor McGregor started this whole thing in motion with this Floyd Mayweather thing. It's, it's, it's documented. You can go back and look it up. You can go back and look it up. McGregor was talking about fighting Floyd Mayweather years ago. It's documented. And then when this all started coming to pass... We're talking about two very confident men here. Two very confident dudes. Neither one of, you know, McGregor did not want to take less money. You know, he wanted to make $100 million. Floyd was going to make, make a whole bunch of money. Conor McGregor wanted to make a whole bunch of money. You know, he wasn't going to settle for the $20 million. Even though $20 million is a lot of money to me. That seems like a lot of money to the normal person, but not Conor McGregor. Now, keep in mind, I don't think... <clears throat> McGregor's never had a fight that produced even that much money before. <clears throat> maybe, maybe he has. I don't know. I, I'm not an accountant. I'm not in his uh, books. But uh, $25 million is still a lot of money. I mean, but but he wasn't willing to accept Floyd Mayweather making tons of money off of the fight and him only making like $25 or $30 million. He wasn't going to accept it, right? He wanted it to be just a certain way. And I'll be damned if when this fight finally got done, when the deal finally got signed, he's happy with the amount of money he's making. He's going to be making over $100 million. It's amazing, right? 
Floyd Mayweather is happy the amount of money he's going to be making. It's going to be way over $100 million. I think I saw an interview Floyd Mayweather said he was going to make about $300 million off this fight. They're going to make that money whether they win or lose. Whoever wins, whoever loses, it doesn't matter. Floyd Mayweather is probably going to make about $300 million. Conor McGregor is probably going to make about $170 million off of the fight. It's going to be the biggest fight in the history of fights as far as like how many people are interested in it. I'm interested in it. Did anybody see the four-show the four uh, show tour that they both went on um, where they went to four different cities? And it was just basically a kind of a back and forth where they both talked and uh they don't like each other man i really just don't think they like each other um floyd mayweather i know he's been documented saying he doesn't like conor mcgregor he doesn't like him he just doesn't like him and he also says that in this fight he's going to take the fight to conor mcgregor he says someone someone this is not going to go 12 rounds someone's going to get it right that's what he said, and this is the fighter that is, he's been he's been dubbed the most defensive fighter of all time, Floyd Money Mayweather, the most defensive fighter of all time. He doesn't really knock people out anymore. He he's a very defensive fighter. Some say the best defensive fighter of all time, and he's saying now he's going to take this fight to Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor says he's going to take the fight to Floyd Mayweather. So we'll see what happens. Uh, the first man to back up is going to lose the first battle. That's what McGregor says. Um, I don't know if Floyd is just saying he's going to take the fight to Mayweather to, to to McGregor, and he's just saying that to play games. And he's, I would imagine, I would tend to imagine he's going to fight his fight. I would tend to imagine he's not going to go to Conor McGregor and take a bunch of damage, right? Because I've seen that left hand of McGregor's, and I've seen the accuracy of the right and the left, and it's pretty damn scary. So I, I would tend to imagine if he takes the fight to McGregor, he's going to take a lot of damage. And I don't think that's going to be good for him. Um, that's just me. That's just me. That's my thoughts. I know a lot of people disagree with me. Um, but we'll see. We'll see, and we'll see pretty soon because that's coming right up. That's coming right up Saturday. So... We're about to wrap this up. We're about to wrap this episode up of the Easy Money Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight with me, hanging out with me. Want to remind everybody, Epic Conversions Insiders Club has got a special trial offer going right now. It's a dollar ninety-nine for a seven-day trial. It's a great, it's a great membership program, you guys. It's only ten dollars and eighty cents a month. Free coaching call for all my members every single month. We got a free mentoring group coaching call every single month. It's pretty awesome. We got weekly actionable content put out in the members area every single week. Every Monday, new actionable content drops. We got a new product that comes out every single month in the Insiders Club. Right? It's a great value. It is a discount club through and through and i've told my epic conversions insiders club members it's gonna stay a discount club it's always gonna be ten dollars and eighty cents a month i don't care what crazy stuff i put in there no matter how much value i cram pack in that in that club it's gonna be ten dollars and eighty cents a month it started as a discount club and a discount club it will stay and that's it anyways i want to thank you guys for tuning in for this very first episode of the Easy Money Show. I appreciate you all. 
This is the place where we are generally aware that people make money online and we even talk about it sometimes. I hope you guys all have a fantastic Tuesday evening and I will see you next Tuesday. That's a wrap for the Easy Money Show. Peace, everybody.